The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus prayed for his disciples, and then he said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me, through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, in you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Some of you who were involved in camping, uh, church camping in particular, and, and some perhaps even in community theater may recall the names of Richard Avery and Donald Marsh. Uh, they wrote some wonderful and uh, very uh, humorous songs together, and they're perhaps best known for all the camp songs that they wrote and hymns for use at camp and with young folks. Perhaps they're best known for a Calypso version of the doxology, which Robert has been trying to introduce in worship here, and I will not let him. <laughs> but there's one song, I think, that uh, relates particularly to uh, what we're talking about this morning when we think about this gospel. It's titled, I Can Be a Christian By Myself. I Can Be a Christian By Myself. Leave my dusty Bible on the shelf. I'll sing a hymn and pray a bit. God can do the rest of it. My heart's the church. My head's the steeple. Shut the door and I'm the people. I can be a Christian by myself. And it goes on. I'll break some bread and drink some wine. Have myself a holy time. I'll take the offering. Then I'll know where that money's going to go. <laughs> So please remember, Lord, when I die, give me my own cloud in the sky after this life with its labors. Don't bug me with needy neighbors. <laughs> well, of course, the point of the song is that we really can't be Christians on our own. We must be connected to the body of Christ. Yesterday, we had beautiful examples of being connected to the body of Christ. We were fortunate to be able to host one of the deanery confirmations, and Bud Cedarholm, our suffragan bishop, was with us. And there were churches from throughout our deanery and a couple of other deaneries that were here as well. It was a wonderful time of worship. 
You might wonder when I say deanery what that means. I'll take just a parenthetical uh, break here to let you know our diocese is divided into regional areas of congregations. And each of them is called a deanery. There are 16 of them in our, excuse me, 12 of them in our diocese. And our, our deanery is the Concord River Deanery. And it is made up of 12 churches. They are churches of as far off as Pepperell in the north and Hopkinton in the south, uh, Lincoln and Concord in the east to Hudson in the west. So it's a fairly large area. But the important thing about that is that we are a part of something larger than ourselves. Even a congregation is. We're part of a deanery, which is part of a, of a diocese. And especially when our bishops are present, we are reminded that we are one. We have unity. Now, we all were gathered for this wonderful time of, of blessing yesterday as uh, many were confirmed. Some were received into the Episcopal Church from other traditions. And it reminded us that we must be connected to the body of Christ. So today we'll honor those who were confirmed and received yesterday. And we'll also welcome new members to this church. Some who have come from other traditions as well, who are now finding their place here, making a public commitment to being a part of this part of the body of Christ. The gospel this morning speaks so clearly of unity. It doesn't speak very clearly about much else. <laughs> that, if, you, if you listen to that gospel being read, it turns over and over on itself. It's almost like stream of consciousness writing. It's almost as though we're listening to Jesus actually praying. It's as though he is so caught up in this whole idea of being one with God and God being in him and he and God being in those who are following him. It rolls on top of each other over and over again. But at the center of it over and over is the idea of unity. It is in unity that we are the church, the body of Christ. This. Uh, unity that we hear is it's for the first time it's recorded that Jesus speaks of unity in this 17th chapter of John where it is this great uh, high priestly prayer of Jesus that encompasses that entire chapter but I think it's important for us to note that Jesus is speaking of unity in a prayer not in a sermon but in a prayer and I think we might uh, assume from that that Jesus understands unity as a gift from God, not something that we can coerce, not something we can engineer, but rather it is a gift that's freely given and must be freely received with open hands. And I would add that I, I believe that there's also a spirit that's required on our part in order to receive the gift of unity. And that's a spirit of humility and generosity. Now, we all know what it is not to experience unity. We see it in our own denomination in the Episcopal Church, struggling with the issues of the day. We see it in our families. Some of that disunity in our families has gone on from generation to generation. Unity is hard for us to find, it seems. But perhaps at the heart of it is our unwillingness to just open ourselves and accept it freely as a gift from God with a humble heart and a spirit of generosity. I think that uh, as we think about the denominations, you know, the many ways in which we are divided up and classified as parts of the body of Christ, 
I used to be very troubled by that. And I, I think I bought into this idea that the heart of Christ is broken over the brokenness of the church. But I've come to a very different place. I think that out of the sin of our brokenness, God in Christ has brought some good. And I think that good can be found in the aspects of each of our expressions of the faith, whether we're Methodists or Episcopalians or Lutherans or Roman Catholics. We all have something to offer to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. For us who are of the Episcopal or Anglican expression of the faith, I think it's the middle way that we offer We are a particularly unique bridge between the Protestant and the Roman Catholic divide that exists in Christendom. But it isn't just accepting Protestantism and Roman Catholicism and taking that into what we are, but rather creating a new thing. And that new thing, I think, speaks very distinctly and with an important voice in that great mix of the denominations. But that, too, requires generosity and humility. We must be humble enough to listen to our brothers and sisters of different denominations, of those who would express the faith differently. And we must be generous in spirit, not being quick to criticize, but rather quick to listen and to understand. But I would point out one other thing. I believe that what is at the center of our unity in the body of Christ is our baptism. Among the mainline churches, and I think including the Roman Catholic Church, if someone converts to our tradition, we don't require that they be re-baptized. And it's amazing to me that in spite of all of our divisions, we have been able to recognize the, the goodness and the validity of baptism done in another tradition but in the name of the Trinity. That is so important, I think. We must hold on to that because it seems to me that that is a seed that we can see grow and make a difference as we seek to reach out to one another across denominational lines. I believe the church can solve that whole question of how do we find unity by rethinking who or what is at the center. The church is like is not like any other human institution. What makes it different is that Christ is at the center. And when the church gets off course and when it it goes astray, it does so because something else or someone else has been put at the center. We see that in places where one particular minister or one ministry becomes so charismatic that it becomes the center. It becomes the focus. And when that implodes, then there's nothing. But the church, the living body of Christ, can only be vital and unified if Christ is at the center. When I was in South Dakota, we were struggling over a period of a couple of years trying to figure out how best we could express our vision of our ministry in the church in a place that was bicultural, about half Native American and half non-Native. And we finally settled on the Native American idea of the sacred circle, with Christ being at the center of it. And we were in a meeting once, and I remember one of the elders said that when you're, setting, when you're sitting in the sacred circle and looking across that circle at another person, 
you're looking at them through Christ who is in the center. Christ mediating our relationship with the one across the circle from us. And sitting in that circle, the circle also reminds us of the importance of humility. We do not have uh, special places around that circle. We are gathered there as Christians who have come to worship Christ. I believe that the question we must ask ourselves as a church and a denomination over and over again, do we have Christ at the center? And we need to ask that about our own lives. Is Christ at the center of our lives? Is he the one that we worship? Is it Christ that mobilizes us for ministry? Is it Christ that motivates us to reach out to someone who is in need or who we don't know but would like to know? Is it Christ that moves us to open to them the love of God in a way that perhaps they've not experienced before? It is only if Christ is at the center that we can find unity and truly be the body of Christ. Today we give thanks for those who were confirmed and and affirmed the baptismal covenants and promises that were made for them at baptism yesterday as they were received into the church through confirmation. We give thanks for those who were received from other denominations and we value their contribution. I think it's so important for us to recognize that we are constantly being changed and kept alive by the people who come and join and worship with us and find this as their church home. And we're thankful today also to welcome new members and to be reminded that it is in that kind of growth that we keep alive. I pray that we may always know that Christ is at the center of who we are. And in that way, we can truly be the body of Christ. Amen. Amen.